You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. The Podcast of Terror is a show with adult themes, run by adults, for adults. Please do not have your children listen to this show. It might be beneficial to them in the long run, but please, please wait until they are older. This is one of those things. It's like when you laugh when you're playing bingo and and 069 comes up and you have a chuckle and your mom, your kitty says, uh, uh, Mommy, Mommy, why, why are you laughing at 069? And the mommy says, uh, when you're older. It's one of those kinds of things. Mommy, Mommy, can I listen to Podcast of Terror? Sure. When you're older. This is a show with adult themes and some childish behavior. A lot of dick jokes. Uh, so please, please, please. Uh, if you want to avoid the swearing, if you want to avoid spoilers for your favorite horror movies, and if you want to avoid really, really lame, petty dick jokes, do not listen to this show. It is not for you. Corey, how often do you wear a shirt? Not as often as you would think. Yeah, it's always nice to cover up your nipples, and maybe your neighbors are complaining because they're hairy. I know you they, like they, wear, you wear shirts when it, we do these shows. That's about it, from what I understand. It's more that I just give off a glare that blinds drivers by. It is hot in California, so I assume that you sweat. There's a there's a slight sheen to you, and the California sun just. Pshh, I don't even sheen. I estevez. <laughs> that that is, if you do not want to estevez in public, we have two places in which you can go. We got two coupon codes to make your life a little cheaper. Uh, you can go visit a uh, frequent guest and friend of the show, Matt Vincent. His his website thehate.com. That's the hviii.com use the coupon code hbg15 for 50 percent off your order maybe you hate him i don't know he's he's kind of a likable guy but if you hate him and you want to go spend your money somewhere else we got this other place go to statusfearmerch.com uh, another uh, sponsor of the show friend of the show he does all our artwork he's a really nice guy he does all the, the art for my band except for the stuff that Corey's wife draws head over to statusfearmerch.com use the coupon code terror get you a little nice discount there Welcome to episode 108 of the Podcast Dare, a production of the Galactic Network. I'm your host, Matt Stein. With me, as always, is Corey Dad Jokes for Days, Scott. I mean, not for days. Like anything else, I have a, a cutoff point, and then I need a complete shutdown of all my systems before I can re-up my, uh, my ante. Shut up, Corey. Yeah, just refractory <laughs> periods are, are for the best. In Mexico, uh, it's called a siesta in your pants. In 20 minutes, Corey will be back with another dad joke because he just blew his load before we started recording. Mm. Um, it'll probably come up again. But uh, our guest this week is a guy <laughs> that does a whole bunch of stuff that I can't remember because he was supposed to be on like a month and a half ago and Google Hangouts didn't like him. Uh, so he's back now. Although, if it were up to him, he would have been on last week because he thought he was on last week. That's oh, right. PJ Starks. PJ, how are you? I was, I'm 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 good. I'm I'm on the show this I'm finally so that's so I'm good. Uh, Google Hangouts finally let him on. It, they did. They they took my restriction away, so <laughs> now I'm back. He said one too many with a vengeance. One one too many mean things about our president. And and <laughs> just because they let you on our show doesn't mean that they like you. In fact, it usually points the opposite direction. Yeah, there's that's actually true. there's a high uh, suicide rate with our our guests. Boof. I have noticed a funny know. smell ever since I came on. So. <laughs> That's Corey's no, it pussy. Yeah, it's a four-day weekend. <laughs> I've been eating nothing but tuna. I, I just... well, it's, it's very palpable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Corey, we love you. Please take a shower. It's more like palpable. Oh. 
Oh, PJ, what are, what do you are do? These... What do you do with your life? <laughs> Let's get with Corey's vagina. Um, well, by day. No, um, I, I work a day job, but uh, as a professional hobby, I make films and I produce movies. So um, that's that's my that's that's basically what I do and who I am. And then uh, and then I go on shows and talk about it and pretend I do a lot more than what I really do. Well, that's fine. We lie all the time. People seem to think Corey and I are cool, and they don't realize that I'm like in my mom's bedroom. I'm like, my, I get out. I got to talk to the internet. Well, truth be told, I have not thought either one of you were cool yet. So yeah. good. It's we're fucking fair. losers. Yeah, we're we're, we're fat hipsters <laughs> who hang out in bedrooms and talk to the. I'm internet. kidding. No, no. I mean, I don't. I don't want to. I'm actually doing this. With, I have no pants on right now. If that tells you anything. Oh boy. So. That's- I, I wanted to be ready. The point at which that I see the desk start to tip up, then we're going to have problems. <laughs> like really, you can ask my wife. You will never have that problem. <laughs> yeah, we would stand in a flood. <laughs> yeah, look at the boner on this one. So, what are some? <laughs> what are some of the movies? I'd love to talk about your penis for an hour, but people may be interested in like what movies you do because I remember there's a very long list. Or this, if they're movies about your penis. This. <laughs> I was going to say you took the words right out of my mouth. Or the penis, rather. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, I made a long list of the movies that you do a month and a half ago. That was a lot of beers ago. So now it's up to you to talk about them. Um, I, 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 I did a few things before Volumes of Blood, but um, it was mainly like shorts. I did, I did a lot of event-type things. I did a, an event called Unscripted here locally in Owensboro, Kentucky, where I'm from. And uh, it, it, it's actually that was back in 2013. It took off and it's become an annual event. But once I started feeling like a uh, like kind of a glorified event planner, that's when I decided I wanted to kind of get back into film and, and unscripted actually opened the door to that. So um, I, cre- I created Volumes of Blood, which is a, a horror anthology. And it was really kind of a, an opportunity for me to work with some of the film friends that I had. Um, uh, and, and some other people that I met along the way, like Nathan Thomas Milliner, it kind of gave us an excuse to work together. So right now, I would say if I had if I had a claim to fame, and I'm using that term fame very loosely, it would probably be Volumes of Blood. That's that seems to be what I'm known for the most because um, it took off and did far far better than what we ever anticipated, which led to the sequel, Volumes of Blood Horror Stories. And uh, it too took off and did way better than what we what we thought it would, and um, that that's what kind of opened up the door. So since then, I've I've excuse me, I've uh, been attached to other projects, helping produce in various different capacities on several different ones: uh, Butcher the Bakers, um, Maniac Farmers, one of the new ones. I'm working on one now called Angel by the uh, the director of the Wicked One. Um, I sh- you know, just all kinds of different projects. Like you said, there's a whole myriad list of those projects. And if if you Google my name, which I hate saying because um, it, it, I feel like it makes me sound egotistical or something, but that's really the best way to kind of find out what I've been up to is if you just Google PJ Starks, it'll give you far more than what you ever wanted to know about me or my projects or whatever. See, that's impressive because if you Google me, I'm a doctor. And I am not a doctor. <laughs> I can barely well, put my own actually, pants on. 
That first of all, that's a good thing. I, I, I would rather be known as, or well, if you're a good doctor. Not no. When you say what kind of doctor, doctor uh, now is it gynecologist? If it's gynecologist, I'm, I'm looking right now. Um, <laughs> oh no! Oh god! I got a little different now. Uh, there's a guy who a technology writer when technology fails by Matthew Stein, not me. Uh, speaker engineer is also Matt Stein. The doctor must be gone. Maybe he's dead. Matthew Stein. Oh, I forgot there's a guy named Matt Stein, uh, Coast to Coast. Uh, oh, that's pretty cool. This is gonna end. Uh, I don't know what he's talking about. He's a Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering from MIT. That's not me. I don't... Yeah. <laughs> so your claim to fame is not being any of those guys yeah. Yeah. that come up whenever, <laughs> whenever yeah. you Google your name. I know how to turn a computer on, but I don't understand how food turns into poop. So, I mean, I'm well, between my, and the doctor. Recently, my wife... Uh, was talking to somebody and I can't remember what they were talking about exactly, but she Googled my name and it came up that I had written a novel called Satan has risen, which I have not. Right, we we got to go. So I, I got this text message and she was like, we need to talk about this book you wrote. What? <laughs> and I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I Googled your name and it came up that you were the author. You apparently wrote a book. What is what's up with that? Like, because because there are times when I'm a part of projects or I'm working on something, and you know, I'm, I, I guess I'm, I'm the atypical husband, and I don't tell her everything I've got going on. Oh. Um, she's usually yeah, she's usually aware of ev- most everything, but occasionally some things slip through the cracks, and apparently she thought this was one of them that I'd written a book about Satan, but uh, yeah, no, but apparently I, there's. I feel like if you loved satan enough to write a book about him she may or may not have heard you talk about satan once or twice true well because of the types of films that i that i typically work on or directly make myself it would not surprise her Hmm. that i would probably write something in in that vein so i think that's probably i mean she wasn't like pissed off or anything but she was just like what is up with this um and i looked it up and apparently for some reason i'm being attributed to some book I guess there's an author out there at one time, somebody named PJ Starks had written a book about Satan or Satan is rising. I'm looking something along those lines right now. <laughs> yeah. I can't find Satan has risen by PJ Starks. Although when I just put in Satan has risen in quotes, I get Satan little league superstar. And that sounds like something that I desperately want to read. That's the, that's the book I'm working on now. Actually, that's my new, <laughs> I wish that was true. A young Satan decides that he wants to take his crack at Little League Baseball. No. It really sounds like a legitimate Japanese comic book <laughs> because they're big <laughs> into sports comics and, and Satan's pretty prevalent in a lot of their stuff, especially if he's having sex with you. So in all this Googling of your name, I think you're too cool for us. No. I just found I'm, some, I'm some definitely not interview cool. on uh, Dread Central and... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've got to ask. I do, I do too. I'm a, I'm a media whore. I'm a self-proclaimed media whore as well. Did, there's, did there's, Melissa or Tori were they the ones who who pointed you in our direction? Because uh, because they've been very very kind to us and and very very mean to uh, people uh, of your stature. But <laughs> <laughs> um, it may have it may have been Tori actually. I feel I mean, like I, I, I don't I, I can't I can't entirely recall, but um, it's it's very possible. 
Yeah, it just seems like that that would have been the timing. Tori has been phenomenally kind to us. Um, so either way, uh, we appreciate you being here. And, oh, well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate very it. Very busy schedule. I don't know if I appreciate it anymore. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad, is it? No, not at all. Um, so- Here's where I gently remind the listeners that Matt is currently sober. I am. So, uh, I <laughs> this am. Is, um, this is a mean Matt. <laughs> I was hungover until 8.30 last night. That's a new record. Um, yeah, so I it, yesterday was bad. It was my own. Well, that's, what's a record, though? I mean, when did you stop drinking? Whoa. Well, okay, okay. <laughs> Friday night got fuzzy. Bits and pieces I don't remember. <laughs> I found a picture on my phone of taking a picture of someone else's phone that was from 12.23. So I started drinking at like 2.15 in the afternoon. We had uh, some people over... And um, that's the last thing I remember. My wife said when we went to bed, I kept telling her that I was seeing two of her. I don't remember any of that. I don't remember the last couple people leaving. You didn't try to score a threesome? I guess not. No. <laughs> if I tried, I failed. So <laughs> jo- joke's on me. But um, well, Whiskey dick is a bitch. Well, you wouldn't have remembered it exactly. if you couldn't get it up. So that's technically, the there's, there's no regret, right? There's no I was regret. phenomenal. I don't know what you're talking about, baby. <laughs> hey, you know, if it makes you feel any better, I have low testosterone, so I, I just have low T-dick. Oh, I'm so, sorry to hear that. I'm just yeah. a literal ball of testosterone. Uh, my wife well, likes to complain about the potions I take, which I say they're pre-workouts, and then I slap her. <laughs> With the penis. With Yeah, I'm just like, you're dead. Um, that's not not going anywhere good um so let's talk about your alcoholism let's talk about that for you that is a separate that is a separate podcast and i don't mean like a single episode i mean a whole fucking series i was gonna say that's an entire series that is the way we just the intervention podcast network fuck you guys (laughs) i mean that in the nicest way possible um I don't know, and I don't have a. I have a. I, have a, I almost said a gambling problem. I have a collecting problem. I have a shit ton of beer in my basement. Um, and I buy it faster than I drink it. It just distracts the dogs from the actual bodies. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I can't really argue that. But so you actually collect beer? I well, you sell it. So you get. Um, when you're in Kentucky, there's no. Have you heard of Goose Island Brewery from Chicago? Okay, so Goose Island. I don't I, I don't drink, so but, I'm, but you're at I'm least just... you're at least familiar with the name. What was the name again? Goose Island. No. Okay. Well, whatever. So because this is <laughs> this is this is two days after uh, Black Friday. Black Friday, Goose Island releases their Bourbon County Stout. So it is a stout that they barrel age in bourbon barrels, and then they do variants. So they take that beer and then barrel age it in different barrels and shit. Um. <laughs> my Black Friday shopping was going to liquor stores to get as many bottles as I could because they're like limited because so one liquor store got 15 cases and a line started at 6 a.m. They opened the doors at 8. So there's two bottles per person. So then I went to a different liquor store that opened at 10 a.m. that I had my name on the list. They had three per person and then one of the variants. So it's like of those five bottles, like I drank one on Friday, which was a mistake. Um, I will keep one for as long as I humanly possibly can because over over the years the, the taste changes. So like the booziness from the bourbon barrels will fall off, and the bur- you'll get more of the bourbon and more like the sweeter notes of the beer. Um, and then the other ones like 
One I, I got for a buddy in Ohio because they can't get it there because the alcohol content is too high. Um, and then I'll like maybe trade one or sell one or something, hang on to it for a special occasion. So you went multiple different locations on Black Friday trying to score? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think when your Black Friday shopping starts to sound like the hobby of a meth head going <laughs> from CVS to Walgreens to score Sudafed, I think it's time to start. <laughs> hey man. Re- remember, record hangover yeah. from Matt's Blackout Friday experience. I was calling it Blackout <laughs> Friday. Uh yeah, there's a, a wow. place up in Minneapolis that puts a beer out, and normally there's like a limit of one. So I'll go, and then I'll make one of my coworkers go with me and get one. And then my my boss, he won't be my boss for long, but he goes to a different liquor store and buys me one. And then I call my mom, who lives like, you know, a couple of counties over, and I'm like, you gotta go to the store and get me one. Then I get my four. I have one to drink, one to trade, one to give to my buddy in Kansas, and then I have one to to sell her. Uh, yeah. Wow. There's just a lot of money. On <laughs> we, the hey, we all hey, we all have to have a hobby. Oh no! I, I just want to back up. I just want to back up for a second. Your boss is not going to be your boss for long. It implies in this conversation that he's going to die from alcohol poisoning. <laughs> or... No, 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 no. They're restructuring our IT, and I'm getting a new boss in March. Oh, okay. He's not dying. That I know. Of. <laughs> I took it as he was going to be fired after this podcast. <laughs> exactly. I actually assumed one of you were going to be like for the admittance of all this alcoholism. That's eh, fine. I've actually like left work. Because I'll see, like, if I'm on Facebook, I follow a bunch of liquor stores, and it'll be like, hey, we got this beer, and I'll just get up and I'll be like, I gotta go to the liquor store quick. I have a very, like, flexible job. So it's not really, It sounds like as it. As long as I get my work done, no one cares. <laughs> I'll be back in a couple hours. I gotta run to the liquor store. It's not uncommon. I, I, I believe that, that the, the rest of the world is very forgiving towards their IT department if we just as long as don't randomly shoot working. people or anything. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, thank you. For not murdering the entire office. Uh, so last last Thursday morning, I went into work late because uh, there's a bourbon. Pappy Van Winkle was released, and it's like another <laughs> thing where if you can find it, it, it's it's. I've never had it. I've. It's one of those things that it's like it's supposed to be so good that it's like I just want to try it. And I got a couple friends we were gonna go in on a bottle. So the guy at the liquor store was like, "Oh, we started selling it at 9 a.m." So I'm like, "Well, I'll just leave my house at like eight. It's like 20 minutes there." And then when I after I get it, I'll go into work. So I just told everyone at work, and I said, well, I have an appointment at 9, so I'll be late. What is it called? Pappy Van Winkle. So it's named after something about a story about a guy who sleeps for 80 years? That's Rip Van... Oh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because the, like, the original is called Old Rip Van Winkle. Oh, man. Th- this is about a guy who's drunk for 80 years. Yep. Right. That's yep. a big difference. Yeah, so uh, I believe I, I went to a store here later that day because the one I went to, it, they uh, the line started at 3 in the morning, and it was sold out before I got there. Even though the guy said they weren't going to start till 9, and it was sold out at 8.15. That's a different complaint. Um, I went to a different store, and I, I was in there, and I just was kind of wasting some time during my lunch. And the guy's like, well, can I help you? And I'm like, well, if you got a bottle of Pappy laying around, like I would take that. And he pointed it out, and it was $311. The bottle retails for $60, and this place was selling it for five times that. I'm like, eh, it ain't worth that to me. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. If I can do it, cool. If not, no big deal. $300, I can just pay somebody to punch me in the head a bunch of times, and I'll feel like I'm that drunk. Well, I sold a bottle of beer for $250 one time, and I'm like, it's not worth it to me. Like, if you want this, I want your $250 more. It paid for my entire weekend. Which included four bottles of beer of a different kind. <laughs> right. Yeah. But um, 
I feel like we should talk about your movies more because I'm curious. I like looking at your. I was going to say I really don't have a dog in this fight. Occasionally, no, my no, wife it's... will send me to go buy her Moscato, and that's about about as far as my knowledge of alcohol goes. No, that's well, that, and I come from a long line of alcoholics. But besides that, oh, see, my like my mom has like <laughs> we, we nickname my mom Two Beer Shirley because she has like two Miller Lights and whew, she is fucking whippy. Um, <laughs> I'm more the type of like I'll have like a nice beer and that's it like getting drunk is not fun to me like i did not plan on getting drunk because i knew what it would do to me yesterday which resulted in three naps and me being on the couch till eight o'clock like it really wasn't fun (laughs) i felt like shit that that's kind of how my weekend was except uh mine is caused by me being nearly 50 i I don't know what to say to that i'm the youngest i don't know what to say to that either It's I'm like, going to be 36 soon. Yeah, look forward to this. This is your future, kids. Uh, <laughs> you feel hungover all the fucking time. You were just like a walking pile of misery. Enjoy. Well, unless you're like me and you don't drink, and then you sit around and you're completely knowledgeable of, of your, your shitty existence. I haven't drank for over 20 years. Nothing to take the pain away. Yeah, so. yeah, no alcohol, doesn't drink. No alcohol for 20 bucks. Yeah. I'm the resident drunk here. Yeah, Matt gets yeah. mad at me because he asks every week, what are you drinking? And it's always the same goddamn well, Lipton iced tea. Uh, which, there's nothing wrong <laughs> with that. So I would always, I shouldn't say always, I, I drink more now that someone requested. To, okay, so I obviously have a shit ton of beer and I would usually have one or two during shows just because it's social. Like I'm hanging out with people. This makes me feel less bad about it than sitting on my couch drinking with my dogs. Like my, yeah. my pet dogs, not like my dogs. Um <laughs> So someone emailed and basically said, like, hey, man, like, what the fuck? Like, you do this all the time. We want to know what it is. So that's why we started the What You Drinking, which then turned into, like, me planning out what beers I was going to have during podcasts, um, which I guess let's yeah. let's do that real quick because I know Corey has something and I'm not drinking beer. So people may be interested in what I'm putting in my mouth hole. Corey, what you drinking? I'm drinking Limpton iced tea. You fucking asshole. PJ, I just you? told you I'm a boring old fuck. What the hell? PJ, I, I know what you're drinking, but the people don't. Water. Oh, boy. Nice, pure. Great what brand? Yeah. Uh, Nestle Pure Life. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so it's uh, from a tap. I think they're, they're stealing from my, yeah. my state, which was going through a drought. And they're like, hey, well, that's great, you guys. Uh, we're going to just keep all this water, though, anyway. <laughs> What has the name Nestle in it? So I'm fat and I can pretend like maybe somewhere inside there, there's a chocolate bar. Essence Ooh, of chocolate. It's going to jump out and let me eat it. I, I, there's plenty of essence of chocolate water in my toilet, so you can enjoy. <laughs> uh, well, I'm drinking coffee. Delicious black coffee from Co-op Coffee Roasters in Madison, Wisconsin called Reanimator. Sexy. I could just eat soda biscuits and we could do like some NPR. You, do, you you drink with your pinky out? Just like a, I'm trying not to burn myself. Oh, that's good. That's the money shot right there. Yeah. There's no semen on <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you had to throw <laughs> that extra little tongue action in right at the end. <laughs> the, it's better than the lazy lip drag. I like to do that. Um, if you're eating a penis-shaped food, you just kind of drag your lip up the side of it. That makes people really uncomfortable. Um, all right. I want to talk about your movies. <laughs> 
before okay before he gets sidetracked yet again um so obviously volumes of blood uh, it's what 2015 two years old and then the second one came out is out is coming out yeah uh it it dropped on um dvd blu-ray and vod within the last couple months so it's okay. it's pretty pretty fresh on the market shouldn't you know these things who, me? Yeah, like, don't you know when things... Like, I know every time I put a CD out, I know when it's out. You don't know when your movies come out, you fucking big shot. Yeah, it came out, it came out a couple... Within the last couple months. When you work on a film for so long, eventually you get to a point where you're just like, all right, I'm done. It's time to move on to the next thing. Okay. So... That's 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 kind of how I am with with like I still that's not to say I don't appreciate it or I don't still love it. But eventually you get to a point where you're like, I've seen this fucking movie so many times. I'm ready for it just to be out there in the stratosphere and hopefully other people enjoy it. And now I can move on with my life for two minutes. Yeah. See, Matt is a has been. He's still holding on to childhood glory and I'm a never was. So I've got nothing to look back to. I, I, I mean, I pretend. well, technically, I'm still and never was. I mean, I haven't necessarily, <laughs> I haven't, I have not done anything that has impacted my life so much that, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I still work paycheck to paycheck, and you know, it, it's funny how that works because they're uh, on my stepdad's side of the family. They're the they're the ones who they get together all the time, but like I have to have at least a few days notice or like a week's notice. Mm-hmm. Cause I do have a lot of stuff that I'm constantly doing or have planned. I like to be able to plan ahead if I can, but they'll literally wait till the day before and go, Oh, Hey, you should, you should, we're having a family reunion tomorrow. You should show up. They and knew I'm like, about well, that I would before the I day know- before. I, I just want to point out that you're being shafted because they knew about that family reunion more than a day in advance. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what pisses me off. I'm like, you know, you've had this planned for a while. Why am I just now finding out about it? So you know, I have yet to actually be at one of their get togethers. I think last actually last Thanksgiving was probably the last time I was actually around everybody. But what's happened is, is since they they have this weird uh perception that because I make movies that I'm super busy and have all this money. Yeah. They don't want you around because it's just going to make them feel like their piddly shit lives don't fucking equate. And, and which is not necessarily what you're implying. And and I'm not saying that their lives are piddly shit, but, (laughs) but it is kind of tough. It's like, Oh yeah. My, my cousin shows up. uh, He makes movies and uh, I don't do that. So uh, somebody love me, please. <laughs> I don't really get that necessarily. I'm sure that that is. I'm sure that does happen. But I, I, I literally think it's just they don't. I don't know if it's I'm an afterthought or or what. But I mean, it's they. It, I'll hear from my mom the very next day about how she had all these conversations about how <laughs> you know they wished I was there and they wish they could have been able to see me, but they understand how busy I am because I make movies and and you know that like. They they ask if I've bought like a big new house or if I'd like drive a Bentley or something. I mean, it's just like they, you know, they'll give her 21 questions because there is, you know, they, they think that just because I've made some movies that somehow I've got this big fat wallet and a, and a hefty bank account. But that's yeah. why is it? Why is it PJ bought us a house yet? That stuck up motherfucker. 
you know, <laughs> fucking goes to Hollywood and bends his family. Like, you know, screw that guy. We're going to have a reunion and he's not going to be invited. See how he feels about that. I know. Well, it's that. That, 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 <laughs> that must that must be it, because. But I don't know. And I'm friends with him on Facebook. Yep. So it's not like they can't message me. So I don't I don't know. If it makes you feel any better, my family knows that I play in a band, so they just assume that I'm drunk in a ditch somewhere. Not false. Yeah, they're <laughs> I was going to say that I don't know about the <laughs> ditch part, but the drunk <laughs> part sounds like it could drunk be very, fa- very factual. They have literally driven past the ditch and seen Matt's bare ass hung out <laughs> over a dead deer carcass. Just like, oh, he got the new beer. That's good for him. Good for him. <laughs> oh, that is very sad. Not for the deer carcass. No, true. Someone's got it. Were you eating the deer? Is that why it's just a carcass, or did you hit it with how, your car and somehow? I don't know how the deer got involved in this conversation. That's what I'm wondering. Did you run at it like a quarterback and just take it out? <laughs> <laughs> I just and then I used its blood to put like party lines on my face, and I just ran out another one. That is a party. And then I fucked it to death. Is that what you want? Is that what you want? You want me to admit that I'm? That's what I was here? hoping. Now, now I'm, I can leave now. I'm I'm done. That's all They're I wanted was to hear. Wow. I go on podcasts in the hope to take it to the level of bestiality, and then that's it. Now I'm done. I uh, okay. Story time. I'm gonna try to. Uh, this doesn't have anything to me fucking a deer. It's a story that I heard second. <laughs> I was gonna say I, I used the term bestiality, and then you're like, hey, story time. I was not the one that fucked the deer. Start there. So uh, that sounds highly debatable at this point. Buddy, but go on. A buddy of ours, he's a friend of our show, a very very good friend of mine, uh, used to be a corrections officer in the big city there. And uh, he told <laughs> he told me a story once about how one of the guys he worked with had went to a check on uh, one of his people. I don't know what they're fucking called off the top of my head. Uh, and the guy just had uh, he was covered in basically blood and fur, and they were like, "Hey man, like what what the fuck's happening here?" And uh, he said he was riding his bike down the street and saw a deer carcass, and it turned him on. So he drug it into the woods and fucked it. And he, yeah, he got—he was a repeat offender. Yikes! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw, as I said, I didn't fuck the deer. <laughs> I did. The repeat—the repeat offender did. Yeah, the repeat offender did. I just I masturbated mean, he, to the thought. He was at least thoughtful enough to drag it into the woods first. <laughs> just fuck it on the side of the road. Just people drive by me. Hey, I'm not going to bang you out here on the street like some common hooker. You know, this is just, well, at least by the way, take that, you into the woods. That's a terrible term. I mean, sex worker. But I'm going <laughs> to drag you in the woods like a hooker. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. That's, what's he, that what's even like what's even more story. terrifying is the fact that you have that story in your database. That's true. There's a lot of fucked up things <laughs> happen up there. Hmm. I mean, once you have that story in your mind, it it can never really go away. It's it's That's it's true. like fucking barnacle. It, it, mm-hmm. it just you try to scrape it off. No, you're not. Once you're in a while, not, come no back. more smooth sailing for you. Like that's not one that I tell often, but sometimes bestiality gets mentioned, and I'm like, oh yeah, by the way, we're the special ones. <laughs> well, I, oddly enough, I have a I actually have a bestiality story, but it's uh, not as extreme as that. Um, mine is I went, I was hanging out with some friends. This was right after high school, hanging out with some friends. We went to a friend of a friend's house and the guy was like, Hey, 
you you got to check out this new video that I got my hands on. And we're like, okay. So we go into his room and he pops in a VHS tape and it was a woman uh, fucking a horse. I believe the horse was fucking the woman, just to be clear. I, I don't, I don't believe know. She looks going, like, I got a, a fucking uh, casting call this week and uh, I, know, <laughs> I, I, I promised myself I wasn't, I told my mom I'm not going to go to Hollywood and get into adult cinema. But the... mom, it's rough out here for a horse. And uh, I got four <laughs> legs and I got to eat. And so I, I just, I did it for the exposure. No, I, I think at this point, it's the woman had sex with the horse. Well, I don't know. The horse was just, if I remember correctly, the horse was just standing there. The woman had all the control. Uh, if I remember correctly, I see what you're if trying, I re- trying to play I, it off. I, like you don't watch this thing. <laughs> I only watched it for a few five or ten minutes, and then I was disgusted. I only watched the entire video back to back four times in a row, just to be sure that I knew what I was seeing. And that and then I watched around, like the ring video. And then later and when it came out it. on DVD, I watched the special features, but that's it. No, <laughs> we, so we ended up not ever going back over to that guy's house. But yeah, Probably. oddly <laughs> enough, I have a, I have a, uh, I didn't have to. He gave me the VHS, but. Um, <laughs> There was no need for him anymore. I had acquired what I went there for. Turned out it was checked out from the local library. Uh, no, but you're right. I mean, that's that is that is one of those things where it's like it happened, and it's hard to forget about it. Yep, you yep. you just cannot forget about it. I have a library story too. Since Corey mentioned that, uh, a, a friend of mine, I I don't talk to him much anymore, but uh, he was the network admin for the public library in town here. And uh, he just, he texted me out of the blue one day and he goes, dude, he goes, so we got to kick some guy out because he was jerking off. And I was like, okay. He goes, well, that's not that uncommon. Like that happens. It's not uncommon. And he goes, but I had to watch the video that the dude was jerking off to. And he goes, there's just a girl peeing in her underwear. Like, is yep. she in her underwear peeing through it yep. or she's, yep. she's got her underwear down nope. and she's trying to pee directly into the underwear nope. like a bucket. Literally wearing the okay. underwear and just taking a piss with him on and the dude is just going to fucking pound town in a public building. Why did he have to watch what this guy was watching? So that they like why was that part of the requirements to file the police so they report? Block it? Oh, to block oh. It. yeah. Now was this was this a video that the library was renting out? Or? No, no, no. It was a YouTube video. So <laughs> I think he had to watch it to then report it and to block it. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I, I just want to state I know that I am the dullest person on the show. I have no bestiality stories. So, sorry, America. <laughs> America is very sad right now. We're going to get emails and be like, I, please get rid of Corey until he gets a bestiality yeah. story. Fucking Corey thinks only America wants to hear about animal fucking. What the hell? <laughs> How did we get onto this subject after you saying we should be talking about your movies? Yes. We were talking about your career. Movie. I was going to say somehow that morphed into talking about bestiality. All right. So speaking of bestiality, tell me about and this why movie. your family doesn't want you around. That's the oh. other part. Oh yeah, that's true. That's that's true. It, it went from yeah, my family to somehow bestiality. Yeah. So speaking of bestiality, tell me about your movie Ten Thirty One. Okay. Um, well, first of all, uh, Rocky Gray. He um, he is the former drummer for Evanescence, and uh, I mean he's super talented and extremely talented musician he had done the score for i'm just giving you a little bit of the backstory but he had done the score for a movie called the barn 
Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that or not, but I mean, it, it killed on the indie circuit and um, it's, it's a, it's a really fun movie if you get a chance to, to check it out. So he had done the score for that and that's how I got in contact with Rocky and he ended up doing a majority of the score for volumes of blood horror stories. Well, uh, after uh, horror stories took off, Rocky and I had continued to talk and we met at the premiere and everything. And he said he was working on this project and he was interested in maybe having me come on board and, and helping out with marketing or promotions and, and some kind of creative capacity and this, that, and the other. So uh, that's how I ended up coming on to 1031. Now 1031 is also a, it's a Halloween themed um, horror anthology. And um, it's, I mean, it's ju uh, Justin Seaman who did the barn is one of the directors, Zane Hirschberger, who also, uh, the, the two of them had worked on volumes of blood horror stories also, but they're, they both directed a sequence in 1031 Rocky um, did a sequence. It's his directorial debut. And um, the film premiered at a film festival in Texas last month in October. And uh, now it's get, it's getting ready to um, there was a few things they had to go back and finalize. So um, it's getting ready to hit the festival circuit and go go full steam in, into that. And then I'm kind of helping them uh, hopefully maybe try to get some distribution. Nice. But I mean, it's it's a uh, it's a fun movie. It's it's not your it's it's definitely not your atypical kind of um, horror anthology in the sense that uh, it's it kind of runs the gamut with you know monsters and killers and and it's got a, um you know it's they they've all got some really inventive twists and there's just brett dieger who did uh, bone jangles i'm not sure if you're familiar with that movie or not he's one of the directors he did a sequence um which was about when it's it was uh the blizzard of 93 is what it's let's get there the the october blizzard of 93 i'm probably getting the title for his sequence wrong so he's gonna probably yell at me after he uh watches this but uh but it's funny because i had forgotten all about that back um in 93 like in this area in the midwest it snowed pretty heavily on halloween so i can remember going out and trick-or-treating and it's funny because i'd forgotten all about that until he did his sequence mm -hmm. and um that brought back a whole lot of memories, so I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely one that you need to keep an eye out for. It's, and I, uh, there's not a release; it's there's no release date or anything yet. But it, it right now it's getting ready to hit the festival circuit. Uh, the Halloween Blizzard of '91. There you go. Yeah, you're only out for two years. <laughs> not that bad. Just yeah, two years. It's off by two years. It maybe it snowed in '93 also. It's possible. Don't judge me. Hey, man. <laughs> I'm giving you a hard time. <sighs> I'm fully erect. Um, For more on this podcast, including show notes, contact info, oh, and some we did links, again. go to gncast.com <laughs> slash pot uh, and to chat with us, Slack, uh, which might be easier to get to than the YouTube. Uh, you can go to gncast.com slash sign up. That is normally within the first the five minutes. That's red. Three weeks in a yep. row. It's taken over a half an hour to get to. You know, I, I feel like some of this stuff is is like it's it's old hat. People one skip over that part and two yeah. uh nobody joins the Slack. We we get it, you know. You you, you listen on your own time. It, if if you want to hang out with us honestly, uh, we've got a Facebook page. It that would be the coolest place to to just hang out if if you're on the Facebook or the Twitter. Uh Matt pays attention to the Twitter. Uh we we love communicating 
with with fans of the show any way that we can. So email is great too. But for the most part, that, that stuff's just like that doesn't matter. What matters is we're hanging out with PJ and we're talking about people fucking animals. That's right. It's <laughs> it's you know it's all about today's social climate. That's 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 the hard hitting issues that people want to know about and you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> Um, I guess the, all the the animal fucking kind of goes into the movie that we watched because there was a lot of like weird sexual undertones. It's not really an undertone; like it was just straight fucking. Everyone was trying to fuck in this movie. Have you mentioned the name of the movie yet? Blood Rage, and it's not Blood about rage. it's not about someone's period uh, as much as we wanted it to be. Oh dear lord! It's, it's not just, cranberry sauce. It's no, not it's cranberry sauce. Oh it's not I, cranberry I really, sauce. <laughs> I kept looking into the Wikipedia and IMDb to just see if maybe they were doing that ironically and it actually was cranberry sauce used for the blood in the film because that would have been amazing. <laughs> so what? Do, do you, Something tells me that, that it probably was cranberry sauce. That's my guess. Because I don't know. I don't think the budget was too big on this movie. Uh, like $45, I think. <laughs> yeah, but there there was some like decent kill stuff like the the scene of the the doctor when she's cut in half and she's she's sitting there and she's like still alive and and struggling it wasn't a horrible job of of showing that it it was actually kind of decent for what the rest of the film gave us are we going to start at the beginning or are we just going to jump around yeah, <laughs> I, have, I have so many things that I could say, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to, you know. I didn't know if we should start from from the very beginning or. PJ, would you take the honors and recap for us? All right. So, <clears throat> Blood Rage, which came out in 1987, is a slasher film about two twins who uh, sneak out of their parents' car, and one of them murders a patron of said drive-in and uh then blames it on i believe it was uh was it terry blames it on todd right yeah okay and then of course todd ends up going to some kind of mental facility mental health facility and terry gets to continue on and live with mommy and then it jumps to years later i don't remember how many years later uh, 10 years later and then of course um they're having it's on Thanksgiving and they're all together having a Thanksgiving dinner. And the mother makes an announcement that she is marrying new daddy. And I guess that's what kind of sets Terry off. And then he goes on a killing spree. And of course, Todd breaks out, which then allows him to use him as a red herring of sorts. And, um, Lots of cranberry sauces thrown around. There's a lot of cranberry. So, sauce. yeah. Uh, so, but um, oh, if if I I have like one question that came to mind is um, the mom, she like eat she eat a lot of Ambien because it looked like there was just a chunk of the movie. Everything she did looked like it was just like sleepwalking. Like when she's just eating the leftovers out of the bowl and just like fisting green beans into her mouth, and vacuuming <laughs> while drinking a shit ton of wine. I get that she was probably just drunk, but I'm like, I can't tell if she's drunk or, or what. 
Well, Louise Lasser, uh, a little before this movie was made, was in a show called Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, which looked in the advertisements to be like a typical 80, early 80s sitcom. But it was actually more soap opera-ish and dealt with craziness of like mental health, people going nuts, murder and everything else. It was only for, I think, about a season or so. It didn't last very long, but it it looked very innocuous compared to what it actually was. It was like the show Soap, except taken to the most insane extremes. And so her character, she plays this kind of uh, hyper semi on the cusp of insanity person really well, like just totally jacked up and probably needing some methamphetamines to, to calm her shit down a little bit. I, I kind of what I I don't know if it was um, I don't I think it may have been a mix. I, I oh well let me say this I don't know exactly what her acting style is because the only exposure I've had with her as as an actress is in this film. Um, so there were times where I thought her acting was not terrible, and then there were other times where it's like you said it's it it felt like she was on Ambien. Mm-hmm. and trying to act and it just came across as bad acting and um but at the same time I, I i obviously she was extremely overbearing but i think she also had a very weird and unhealthy relationship with her children because she obviously could not that character had a really difficult time i would say having any kind of relationship with a grown man and the the only time you see her having some kind of close relationship even even with the new dad, like he's there, but they're not super affectionate. And he was they were actually apart more than they were together. She spends most of her affection scenes, goes towards the, the kids. Yeah, but she spends most of her scenes trying to get him on the phone. And it is apparently walking distance to his <laughs> fucking office. She's like, please, please. I I'm sorry I called the wrong number, but please just put me through to my he I know that he's there. He won't pick <laughs> up. And it's like it, it really felt like he was right around the corner because both her and and Todd walked over to his fucking place at some point, Todd to kill him, but her to go find his body and then like, hey, how's it going? Why are you just sitting there all still in the fucking dark like an asshole? Why won't you pick up the phone? What's that big hole in your face? It, it's like, but so much of the movie is her sitting there on the phone screaming at operators and screaming at people that she dialed the wrong number on because she's using a rotary dial fucking phone <laughs> in 1983. It, it just like she can't stop trying to reach him. And in the meantime, her son is out murdering people and she knows her other son has escaped from this penitentiary. Sometimes she calls it, a mental institute, but sometimes she calls it a school. He's he he left school. Okay, well he ran away from school. Okay, so the school is a mental health facility, and he murdered some people. But but really, can you just reach my fucking husband? That is her whole fucking thing, and the denial of her son. Like the doctor's like, hey, by the way, you're you're. It turns out that your other kid is the one who murdered people. You want to confront that? No, you're full of shit. I just came here to bring my other son pie. That's it's just crazy. <laughs> so you liked the movie, right? I loved it. Loved it so much. Okay, that's, what I, that's, what I, that's what I. That's what I took away from that. That's what. Had <laughs> wood for a whole thirty seconds, which is the best that I've had a sustainment of an erection in probably fifteen years. So, 
I think I think some of those scenes, and you're you're absolutely right. That there were a, I know there were a lot of completely random, pointless scenes and shots with that character, like you said, like with her sitting in the kitchen and eating the food out of the refrigerator, or her right. vacuuming while she's drinking, or her, there. I mean, there was probably at least three or four scenes where she's just sitting there and she has a monologue while she's talking to somebody on the phone. Mm-hmm. And probably a lot of that stemmed from, if if I gather correctly, out of everybody who was attached to that project, like she was the name. She was the most popular. She, she was yeah. She she had done playing some this stuff. manic character uh, from right. her, so, her show, a Norman Lear show, actually. Um, so yeah, I I completely agree. They probably had a loose script, and they said, oh yeah, well here's here's what the mom's motivations are, and then they managed to sign her up, and they're like. Holy shit! We have to stretch this motherfucker. Yeah, we need to write some more stuff for her to do, and then some of it doesn't even have to have dialogue. We'll just have her fucking eat some food, just just, so long as she's in the movie for this much amount of time. Because yeah, so that's kind of what I gathered from a lot of those scenes is they were just stretching it out because they were just interspersed randomly throughout the film, and a lot of them chewing scenery. Right. Yeah. It's it's, they and they had they served no purpose whatsoever because probably those scenes where she's trying to get in touch with her husband probably weren't there originally. She literally just left and went. And then they were like, well, you know what? We need her in the movie more. So let's have her try to get in touch with them on the phone. Just let her vamp twice. (laughs) Right. So so that's that's what I gathered from that. But, yeah, those 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 were some of the most melodramatic moments for her. And to me, that's where the bad acting shine through the most was when she's yelling at someone over the phone. I mean, I thought those were some of the worst moments for her. It's not like the movie couldn't have benefited from trying to give some sort of reasoning as to why this guy is killing people. Like they never go into the, the instance of this is, this is the reason that he's doing it. It's just, they started as kids in the back of a car at a drive-in movie, um, which, uh, had Ted Raimi in it as a guy selling condoms in the bathroom, which is just (laughs) like that to me is the get of the film is Ted Raimi sitting there. He's got his vest opens up and it's just full of condoms pinned. By the way, you don't pin to the inside of his vest. Yeah. (laughs) Cause that's effective. Um, I guess in the eighties we felt like it was, but so Ted Raimi is selling condoms. She wants to have sex with this guy that she's dating or he definitely wants to bang her in the car, but her twin sons are in the back. She's like, well, like we can't have sex because the kids are in the back seat. Oh, they're asleep. All right, yeah, fuck it, put it in me. And then the kids wake up, are not quiet, get out of the car. The light goes on. They don't notice any of this, and they're just like, "Up, oh, we're just, we're just gonna bang." And so they go out. And so one of the kids is like, "Hey, while we're here, I just randomly found an axe, and I'm going to kill somebody, uh, just because." Just because that guy's also banging someone in a car, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. And then manages to get completely clean of the blood, but smear it onto his brother's face and hands his brother the axe. His brother's like fucking comatose, and like, I just witnessed a murder. I don't know how to react. Hey, uh, he did it. That that's it. It's just like, and then it takes ten years for this guy to fucking decide that. Hey, now that I I got away with this 10 years ago, I'm going to go do this all over again in this little fucking, uh, I don't know, campground village that they all fucking live at and kill everybody. But again, I'll be able to get away with it because my brother just got out from school. I mean, institution. 
whatever. Uh, <laughs> no motivation. Just like I want to kill everybody because I'm a twin. Oh, and I think I saw my mom's boobs once. You know, when you put it that way, it almost makes it sounds like there's not a whole lot of substance to this movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's there there really is no motivation whatsoever. Uh, his character is a child other than the fact that he just murders people. And, and the thing is, is, is I, I think that's when you're going to get there, there's a couple different types of viewers. There's the ones who they don't need that motivation because sometimes a killer is just a killer. Right. You know, and they'll, and, and it's like in scream whenever, uh, Billy Loomis, you know, made the comment about nor, I think Norman Bates really didn't really have much of a motive for killing. But Norman Bates is explored. You see his motive in his psychosis. Right, right, right. So, believe, now, I'm not, I would never yeah. begin to compare Blood Rage with Psycho because with Psycho, there was a lot of forethought put into the plot and the narrative and, and everything in the story. Whereas and there, with, there could be something to this because there's the twin factor. There is the fact that one of them is crazy. The other one's not crazy. The, the mother who keeps blaming the one son, even though it's very apparent that he's not the one who's done it. And even at the end, she's like, it's going to be okay. You know, Terry's gone now. And she's like, I'm fucking Terry or I'm Todd. I can't remember. I can't tell them the fucking difference anymore. Um, <laughs> I'm Patty Lane and Kathy Lane was the one who killed God. everybody. And and so she just fucking offs herself. But, but they could have done something with that. They could have gone with the crazy mom thing from sleepaway camp. It's like the mom drove the kid fucking insane and and that would have been something to explore. They they don't. It's just one of them's fucking nuts and kills everybody, and everyone else keeps mistaking the the other one who's not nuts, but is still a little fucking nuts, um, because he's gone through fucking hell for ten years. Um, that would have been something, and they didn't. And I I agree with you. Maybe it's because they just said, well, we've got Louise Lasser. We're gonna focus as much as we can on her. But I just don't know that there was any depth to the rest of this. Is like, well. What are we going to work with? This is what's here. This is what landed in our lap. So let's just take this. I don't think they had enough going in. It's just like, here's here's one twin who kills people and another twin who's trying to stop him. But every time he gets a chance, he just cringes up and walks away. And a girlfriend who wants to have sex with somebody, um, but is really indiscriminate about who. And just like, why was she the final girl? Other than the fact that she was the girlfriend, the guy who was the murderer. Why is she the final girl? Um, just because we needed one. Just because someone has to I run around with took, a baby. I think she took one extra bathroom break at some point and that allowed her to survive the night. That's, um, yeah. I really, you know, I think this is probably one of those instances where um, we're probably overthinking it because when they <laughs> did it, when they did it, I don't believe there was that much thought put into it. They, they literally sat in a room and they said, all right, one kid's crazy. The wrong, the wrong kid goes into the institution or school, and then eventually, ten years later, that kid goes crazy again and goes on another killing spree. And then, if you, if you look at uh, Louise Lasser's final moments of the movie, you can tell. Once again, I mean, the acting was pretty poor there, but I mean, she is she's she's lost it because she's just sitting there screaming. Todd over and over and over again, which I would say is to to emphasize the fact that she is a bit out of her mind or maybe more than a bit. 
So from a filmmaker standpoint, I would say, well, that's, uh, that's, that's mental health issues going from the parents to the kids and the kids just worse, more violent than what the mom is. And you really need more than that. Today's audiences. Yes, there needs, there, there needs to be much more substance there, but I think that's why they were able to get away with what they did with the movie. But, and I, and I will say this and, and I'm, and I'm going, can I, can I assume that you didn't love the movie? It's my favorite movie since uh, <laughs> Toy Story 3. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. Easily on par with that. Um, I, I didn't hate the movie, and I know there's not a whole lot of story there, but I, I honestly felt it was better than it had any right to be. I went in with super low expectations, and I... I actually had more fun with the movie than than I thought I was going to. But I think I think a lot of that, though, is it's is it's kind of the epitome of what you think of when you think of an 80s slasher film. (laughs) Loose to almost no story. The the gore and the kills were were there. I actually I, I really enjoyed a lot of the kills. I thought the special effects were were really well done for what it was. Um, cheesy acting, tons of tropes. And I, I, I think it falls into that category. And that's probably why I enjoyed it. Now, is it a good film? No, no. Um, it's a it great not, film. No, it's not a good movie, but I think it's a fun movie from the fact that if, you know, if you, if you want to just sit down and be able to take your brain out for 80 minutes and watch something that is kind of, well, not even kind of. It's pretty dumb, and it's tons of cheesy acting. It's like what you think of when you think eighty slasher. That to me, that's what this, that's what this movie is. And I think to some degree, they probably. I kind of got the the vibe that they knew that at some points because like the whole thing where it's not cranberry sauce. Yeah, I mean those yeah. moments were almost too on the nose. It, it seems like that should have been on the poster. That should have been the calling card for the movie. Is is blood rage it's not cranberry sauce should be right up there as the tagline for the film does it say that seriously yeah this thanksgiving it's not cranberry sauce you're so righteous i love you right now so much Uh, okay so this this is how i knew about the movie i actually ordered the uh the arrow release which is a three disc like ultimate edition blu-ray and uh (laughs) Yeah, what is, and it actually what has two and three. What are discs two and three in a three disc edition of this film? <laughs> it's a three disc director approved limited edition. <laughs> the, the director took more time of his life to approve this release. Well, he's probably not um, doing a whole lot, so he had free time. Let's see. Uh, there's three versions of the film. <laughs> I was I was uh, hoping that, I swear to God I really was hoping there was a director's cut like a, a full on uh, Batman v Superman five hour mixtape of the <laughs> I I'm not even joking about that. There's Blood Rage the original home video version, um, Nightmare at Shadow Woods, which is the theatrical recut, and then an alternate composite cut combining footage from both versions. So, have you watched all yeah. three? Yeah. I have not. Well, what the I've f- only watched the same one you guys have seen. Yeah. So, I, um, I, I 
really would like to know what else there was. Uh, the director of this did one other movie. It came out in 1977 called False Face and wrote a movie called The Bride in 1973. Uh, that's it. So so you're right. The The agreement was, oh, uh, we want a director's approval of this. Fucking cut me a $5 check and call it a fucking day. I've got a friend who will buy me uh, a rare beer on Black Friday that I can send that to you right now. <laughs> well, so uh, I mean, I, I am going to say, the, as far as the acting, uh, Mark Soper, who played Todd and Terry, does a really Nicolas Cage worthy version of. <laughs> Over the top, fucking crazy, stupid Todd and shaky Terry at the same time. As far as playing twins goes, they felt very distinctive. I wondered if they were two different people uh, because they didn't even look alike, which is funny because the kids look more alike and they were played by two different people who I don't even think were related. Unless one of them is using their married name. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, I mean, the, for me, the act like what you're, What'd you say his name was? Terry Soper? Soper? Mark Soper is Mark playing Soper? Tom Terry. Okay. I actually thought he was all right. He, to me, he, he, to me, he carried the film. Yes, he had to. Um, well, true, but I mean, hit, but, but his acting could have been so bad that it would have made the film unwatchable. And I didn't get that. Like, I actually felt like he was trying to do a good job and I thought he did, which was weird. Cause I thought his performance outshined the person that they, which was the name. Um, well, he probably stuck more to a script. From what we're guessing, it sounds like they let her go and just, you know, ad lib and just do a bunch of shit for That's our assumption. Um, right. Which she's very watchable, but it doesn't mean that the performance is good because she's got nothing as far as material that she's doing. She's just like, just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah, you know, you're you're now you're talking to another. Call somebody else. And what would it be like when you call somebody else, still trying to get through to this person? Because it makes zero sense that anybody would spend an hour and a half trying to call a person who is twenty feet away in a fucking right. back office behind the house. Um, just just go with it. Just go with it. And he was probably actually using the material that was presented to him. Okay, yeah, play over the top crazy guy who's killing everybody, and then play his brother who has been blamed for these murders all of this time and is unsure of himself and is trying to protect people, but everybody's suspect of him. Yeah, he, he did a good job with that. that. That's a very meaty role to be given uh, in the sense of a 1980s horror movie. Um, I have no problem with his performance at all. Yeah, he he did a lot with the uh, seven-page script he was given. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> Which is five pages more than Rambo. <laughs> page uh, one, Rambo opens fire. Page two, the end. It's that's is this is a not a deep film. We don't expect it to be a deep film. But if you were if you were given the the budget and the the uh, desire to hey let's remake Blood Rage, what would you have done to correct? the things in this film that you think didn't work? And what would you have kept? I'll, well, I mean, first of all, I'm a big, um, I'll, I'll start from the very bottom. I'm a big gore hound. Now, gore and blood and violence don't always, that, that that's not what makes a film. But I, I thought 
for this, that's that was some of the stronger elements. Um, and they had some pretty creative kills in the film. So I think I would have I would definitely keep the body count. Um, now, from a um, from a story standpoint, an acting standpoint, I would definitely do everything I possibly could to strengthen that because. Um, that's the one thing about this film that I thought was pretty atypical that people um, attribute bad acting to horror films. And there are a ton of horror films. I would say nine times out of 10 independent horror films have horrible acting. Right. And, and, and I think it's just, it's become commonplace, but and it doesn't have to be that way. You can have really strong actors in a horror film. Like you don't have to just get whoever you don't have to, the way I was, you don't have to settle for the best of the worst, which I think wasn't a lot it, of independent horror films have to feel like they have to do that. Wasn't it student bodies or something that Brad Pitt was in was his first movie. Was that cut? I thought that was cutting class. That's it. Yes. I get them confused. Sometimes student bodies is the comedy one. Yeah. Um, so I definitely would strengthen, um, the the acting department a lot i would cut i would try to cut out as much fluff i think i think sometimes um i mean to put myself in their perspective they probably looked at a lot of those scenes with her on the phone or um (laughs) her sitting on the floor eating and they would probably argue those are character building moments um but i i i would say no that's just uh fat that should have been trimmed from the film right um but I think too, as a, from a as a filmmaker, I think those are things you kind of learn as you go along. Because I'm I'm guilty of that in other projects. I'm not going to sit here and say that there wasn't fat in the first volumes of Blood. There's not fat in the second volumes of Blood. But I think if you're if you're going to have a meaty movie or fill an 80 minute runtime, you definitely need to have some story there that that has substance. Blood Rage would probably work better as a short film. I mean, you could probably make if if you tweaked some of the story devices and plot devices to make to to actually give it some story or some reasoning or some motive for some of the characters doing what some of the you know what they're doing in the film. I think it could have it could have been like a solid short film, but obviously short films, even today, short films don't make money. But back in the 80s, it seems like, you know, um, I'm not entirely sure. Did you read it to see if this was this theatrical? Did this actually go theatrical? Apparently it came out in the theaters under a different title. Uh, Nightmare at the Shadow Woods. Yeah, Nightmare at Shadow Woods. Slasher was another name for it. But since it was filmed in 1984, I can't help but comparing it to another movie that was in 1984. It seems very similar in how the the murderer is is portrayed, which was Silent Night, Deadly Night. Which was also a holiday movie. Um, yeah, it the the over the top like no reasoning, just psychotic snap killer. That was the expectation for this level of film, uh, and right. this I would probably, honestly, it, as much as I love this movie, I could I could rank it uh, slightly above Silent Night, Deadly Night, uh, the, but but Silent Night, Deadly Night gets extra points because it's got Linnea Quigley in it. <laughs> so if this had Linnea Quigley in it, yeah, for you it's I, like a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Absolutely. I mean, I would dig up Gene Siskel just to cut off his hand and give the <laughs> thumbs up here on screen. Wow. 
Well, I, well, so from to answer to finish answering your question, that's that's probably what I do. I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, I would have opened it in a different way. I know that, and obviously, with a lot of films, you they they try to get you in that first, you know, five to ten minutes where they have some kind of some visceral opening that really sticks with you for the rest of the film. And and the kill was well done at the, at the drive-in. Yeah. I kind of wish that would have gone further. I I wish that he killed both the couple, uh, the, the the man and the woman and and then like gone around. I thought it was going to be a film where people were going to get murdered at the drive-in, which I think is a movie that actually exists. But I just like when it starts up with that, I'm like, oh, that would be great, you know, and, and see this go around and have these twin kids go around just killing people at the drive-in. That would be a fun fucking movie. But no, it so, had to so be. See, the, the film smashed your expectations. <laughs> yeah. So, so really, it was a phenomenal film going experience. You expected one thing and it gave you all these twists and turns. Yes, <laughs> just, just so many twists and turns, you can't even name them all. Like that point where it just kept going after it was already so bad. And then like, oh, I, I can't imagine it's going to get any worse than this. But you stupid motherfucker is so going to get worse than this. <laughs> like here we are playing tennis at night. Why? I don't care. Uh, I'm going to go chase the ball in the woods. The ball just showed up underneath me. Fuck it. Who gives a shit? Doesn't make any sense at all. Just just keep going. And and then it also got to a point where he they stopped showing the kills. It's like. Oh, uh, I'm going to murder this person now, and it all happens off screen. It's like I don't know if they got to the point where the budget had just dried up because they wasted all the the good celluloid filming a woman on the phone because that's where the money is. That's what the <laughs> audience is begging for. Uh, but but it's like, oh, you went outside. Why are you outside knocking on the door? It doesn't look at all like your head is just there, lopsided and bloodied, and your tongue hanging out. It is, <laughs> Let me open it and let you in. Or the amount of times that the the killer would be in a room that he should have no way of being in. Like the the girl and the guy just banged on the bed and then she's in the the bedroom, the master bedroom shower, taking a shower. And he just randomly is in the bathroom with her. Is like, oh, the guy's out on the bed and she's in here bathing. And I'll just wait until a little bit from now and I'll kill them outside. It's like, how were you there? How did you show up well, in that room and get from, missed? From what I gather, Shadow Lake has some of the worst security measures in place. Because you'll notice at one point, um, his brother Todd was able to get into that uh, his apartment by getting a screwdriver and popping the sliding glass door open. Well, I mean, I mean we've how, all that's how doors. easy it was to get into these these locations. So I ain't I'm gonna, gonna lie, I broke it into a number of places with an actual credit card. It is it used to not be that <laughs> difficult. I swear to you, it I it was so fucking easy to break a lock open it, without even damaging it really back in those days. That I can actually believe. That is probably the most believable thing in this movie. Well, then I'm going to go on a limb and say that is how he was able to access these places to kill these people. <laughs> but he couldn't get seen. He's standing. She's got the curtain for the shower open because that's how you bathe. That's how my wife bathes. That's why the fucking floor is always covered with water every time I go in there after she's done. But seriously, it's like, hey, I'm going to stand here and, and show my tits to the camera for a minute and not even look while I'm talking to somebody in the next room, not even look over at the guy who's standing in the bathroom with me. Um, that, yeah, just, 
that I assume there's some sort of elaborate tunnel system going around at this place. It's like it was he, built he over. And Jay, he and Jason Voorhees were like this. They, right, they yeah, exactly. shared the same tunnel system. Um, I don't know. I, I think these are, you know, going at this point, it's probably an excuse, but, uh, but I, I think because of what the film was, I think that's how they get away with that stuff. You know I mean? When this film, when this film came out, it was in the days where what we consider to be cliche was new right. and fresh. And I'm sure they still had a lot of the same questions like how does she not see him or why would someone make this stupid decision or why did this person do that? And I think um, there was actually a post uh, that I put on Facebook a few few days ago. It may have been like it may actually it may have been Thanksgiving Day where I just kind of asked the tropes that people hate the most in horror films. And um, and, I, and I noticed there's a lot of things that popped up, but I think that to some degree you have to have a level of stupidity in horror films. Otherwise, you don't have a horror film. Well, again, the screen reference. That like if, the, if people, if if people had, if people acted in horror films the way most of us would act in real life, at that point, you don't even have a horror film. You have maybe like a sus- a suspense drama, or something yeah. along those lines. You're going to have more of a drama than than anything because most people are. No one's going to back out of a room slowly. When I get scared, I turn and I run as fucking fast as I can in the opposite direction so I can see what's in front of me, making sure that whatever is I'm actually afraid of is far behind me. So, you know, it's just and I've and I've gotten scared and ran before and I never fell down multiple times in the process of trying <laughs> most, to get away. The most you honest know? portrayal on screen is Tucker and Dale. Uh, because seriously, I'm running away and I accidentally kill myself running away. That that seems legitimate. That seems like the most likely thing. Right. Oh, I'm I'm not getting murdered. I'm killing myself because I'm in such a panic. I'm not paying attention to what the fuck I'm going towards. <laughs> it's just what I'm running away accident. from. Yeah. Right. Um. And and you're you're also right. In in 1984, the the expectation from a horror movie, certainly from a slasher movie, was not from a place of respect. It was the audience wants to see dumb people get murdered. That's what they thought it was. It's not about the plot. It's not about who or why. It's about like, here's here's a bunch of teenagers getting killed. Here's some non-responsible adults getting killed. People are having sex, so they got to die now. Uh, I didn't get to have sex. I just played a ColecoVision for five minutes. Well, you (laughs) dumbass, you should have banged while you could because it ain't going to happen now. There's your face. I I completely understand. Yeah, it's... When you when you look back thirty some odd years, the the level of of what you're going to get from horror movies is very different from what they are today. Just like the twenty years before that, that horror movies were in a very different place. Right. Yeah, the audience has definitely grown uh, a lot smarter, I would say, and 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 have a lot higher expectations. Um, and and you know, going like in the eighties, the thing, like I said, the things that we find cliche were fresh and new. So. Um, it's like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take anthologies. Um, not too long ago, I watched the film dead of night for the first time. It's an anthology film. It was made 1945 and it's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's, it's got a great story. It's got tons of atmosphere. And, um, the only thing, the only, I mean, I won't even say it was a dislike. The only thing about it that I was kind of disappointed in was that the ending 
was predictable. Right. And I ended up having a, you know, cause, and, and I kind of called it way before the film ended. And I had a conversation with someone and they were like, well, you got to remember though, that's in 1945 when that came out, that ending had never been done before. So people who saw that were floored when the end, when the twist happened, because it was something that they had never seen before. But now we're so accustomed to certain types of twists and things that we can, we can see it coming a mile away. Um, so like when it came to making an anthology of my own, that's, I wanted to get as far away from everything that most modern audiences know about anthologies. And especially like with modern anthologies today, nine times out of 10, it's, you know, someone says, I want to produce an anthology. So what do I do? And they do their research and they find a bunch of random short films that have been put on YouTube, they contact the filmmaker and they say, Hey, I'm making an anthology. Would you like to have your film in this movie? And of course the filmmaker I'm sure is yes, I would love for that to happen. So then you get these films where are these anthologies with very loose connective tissue where it's just a bunch of YouTube shorts kind of slapped together. And I wanted to get away from that. So like when it came to making volumes of blood, horror stories and the first volumes of blood, when we sat down to write them, we had to say, what is everything that the audience is going to expect to happen and then try to do the other thing. So it's trying to keep ahead of the audience. Um, but at the same time, you know, there are, we, we still, it gets to a point though, where if you want to get from point A to point Z in a horror film, you're going to have to have someone make a stupid decision or maybe do something that's outside the realm of what a normal person's intelligence level might be in order to get them from here to there. So yeah, we, I, so there's still, there's still cliches within the film, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's, so it, it, it can be a battle, a back and forth battle trying to say, okay, well, well, how do we get from here to here without having somebody fall down or, you know, or the car doesn't start or there's no cell phone service or what, whatever the trope might be when you're trying to write a story? Yeah, not everybody makes the same decisions and not everybody uh, can think clearly in a panic situation. My wife and I, it, as miserable as it makes us, we watch Big Brother, uh, the reality show that's on CBS every summer. And you always see at least one person very early on completely fall apart, just lose all capability of rational thought. They go in and they seem like a perfectly intelligent person. They seem together. They're cool. And then all of a sudden it's just the paranoia sinks in and they start to lose it and they start making bizarre choices that have no bearing on reality, but because they can't separate themselves from like everybody here is competing for a half a million dollars and so I'm going to react in the fact that they are all against me. But they're they're working with you. You've got an alliance right now. Yeah, but that person's not being true to the alliance. There's no evidence to show that they're not. It's just like this is what's in your head. And you can't escape by watching TV. You can't escape by reading anything other than a copy of the Bible I have in the house. You you are literally like all you've got is 24 hours a day for months at a time to think about gameplay. And so you see people lose it. And I completely recognize that in a situation where 
hey, uh, there's a bunch of people being murdered around me. I'm probably not going to think rationally. I'm probably going to right. hit the the fight or flight, and it's most likely going to be flight uh, aspect of my brain. And sensory overload is going to compel me to just go with instincts over intelligence. I making smart decisions is probably not something I'm going to be capable of at that point. And I make dumb decisions all the time now without any excuse. I've got time to think it out. And it's like, yeah, but I really would like to put peanut butter up my asshole just because, you know, it's like you're sitting there. You got some some GIF. What are you going to do on a Friday? So which I assume Matt did. I, I just know that obsessive compulsive disorder is just something you battle with. You know, you're you're fighting. It's, it's an internal struggle. So that's definitely internal. nothing to be ashamed uh, of. But I, I, I completely agree with you is if you want the story to go on, you can't everybody be smarter than the movie that they're in. But you right. can have some people be smarter than the movie they're in, or you can at least have some brave decisions. And and I don't know that this movie was looking to do anything outside of what the expectation oh, uh, no, was. No, absolutely not. No, it, 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 it is exactly what it was supposed to be and what it was but, intended to be when they wrote that seven page script. But there was a grain there. There was something that you could take and, you know, foregoing the fact that it's no longer 1984. You can do something with it and make something out of it today, which is which is something in and of itself. You know, that that one little bit and taking that and running with it and saying, what happens if we have a a mother who's clearly insane and then that insanity passes on to the kids and that she only sees one of them as the angelic and the other one as the devil uh, and she's so willing to accept that as a reality and what that puts on them. And then that causes them to both snap in different directions. Yeah, there, there's something that could have been done with that if the movie had thought to try to go deeper. It's not their fault that they didn't. They just, right. that wasn't what well, they were making. Spoiler alert, in the event that you haven't seen this, but if you take the mother out of the con if you take the mother out of the the concept and you make the twin just another personality you have the movie split Ooh, yeah yeah that's a good point i mean so technically bl blood rage in essence split is like our times blood rage it's you know it, it's it's you got the guy you've got the the you know, the problems you have, the you have the innocent personality, you've got the the really evil hell bent going to murder people. And that's their only motive type personality in the film. And I think there was like a really wasn't there like a gentle woman personality in his. Yes, but but the, in, yeah, the in his woman, Rolodex of personalities, the woman and, and the main guy seem to both be trying to do this thing. They're trying to bring this thing out. They are accepting of it. Uh, there's a child who's just like he's just doing it because he has to go along with it. I don't remember so much anybody who was more on their side, but certainly personalities could be uh, manipulated. But you're right. It but in their idea, it was like they were tr they were being controlled or they were trying to summon this extra personality that hadn't existed before. That's right. underneath it, that probably caused all of them to be. And and maybe some of this is going to get worked out in the sequel and the Mr. Glass movie that's supposed to come out because it's supposed to combine those films. Um, I cannot believe that. Split. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I had some problems with Split, but I'd like to see what he does to make those two things compelling together. Uh, but yeah, I, I I completely agree. There is 
grains of this that that can go into a better mixture uh and and that that could be fun it could be fun to to take this as a jumping off point and make something new out of it and and maybe that is what uh m night schmillian did is that he saw this and he's like what could i do with that i, I feel like van a lot Damme of did, van Dam did the same thing with uh uh double impact yeah absolutely he did and that was a work of fucking chain dragons <laughs> he's like this movie is so good it doesn't even need rob schneider i don't know it probably could have used rob schneider <laughs> every movie is made better with rob schneider if only for encouragement telling me that i can do it that's so when i when i do my official blood rage remake or i'm sorry re, my reimagining of blood rage i'll have rob schneider in the movie i, I say you just go with rob schneider as a murderous multiplicity and just like 300 hey. Rob Schneiders running across the screen at all times, <laughs> playing all of the characters he's played in other films and SNL sketches. You can you do call it. it. You call it making copies. We can do that. God damn it, it works. <laughs> was that was that the equivalent of your rakest joke? That yes. was. That's okay. right. <laughs> Refractory period is over. I can <laughs> the dad jokes again. <laughs> All right. Uh, Matt, you got anything to add to this or do you want to move along to the rating? Well, let's just rate it. <laughs> you guys went further <laughs> into that movie than I expected we would at all. Um, going deep. Going deep into blood rage. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> That's not turkey gravy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Let's just fucking rate the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, because we're basic white girls here, we just rate it on a zero to five scale. I I guess you both just gave very long winded explanations of what you thought on the movie. So maybe you guys just, (laughs) if you guys have talked enough, maybe just the number. I'm kidding. (laughs) Zero to five, whatever. Whatever you want to say about the movie, this is your final thoughts. Yeah, you're the guest. Sorry, I forgot this yeah. part where I oh, tell okay, you. Okay, okay, I'll go. Um, I mean, honestly, I enjoyed the movie for what it was. I it's I, I think for the for the time it came out and the subgenre it fits under. Um, like I said, I I I had more fun with this film than I thought I was going to, and it was far better than, in my opinion, than it had any right to be. Um. Of course, keeping everything in in consideration, but I, I would I would go with maybe like a three point five out of five. That's still pretty high. Although I guess you didn't hate it, Corey. How about you? Yes, I did uh, not hate it. I, I did enjoy it. Yeah, I I might lean a little bit higher uh, because PJ sold me on it, but I have to go with my first criteria, which is I cannot rate it higher. Then Silent Night, Deadly Night, because it doesn't have Linnea Quigley. So I have to give it a one just by default. Oh, wow. It, it matches, but it can't go above. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I almost feel like I want to raise this a little bit. I did, I did a one and a half um, because it, it wasn't a good movie. I didn't expect it to be a good movie. But it was mildly entertaining for kind of a lot of what PJ said, where it's like you can just kind of take your brain out and you just you take it for what it's worth i didn't watch this movie expecting to like 
learn something about myself. I didn't like think this was going to be a great story. It was a little cheesier than I thought it may be at times. Uh, the effects were better than I thought they were going to be, but you know, I w- I I didn't want like a deep story. I didn't get a deep story. That's fine. Um, I would probably watch this again with the right group of people, but I would never. And would it become? It would become like your Thanksgiving go-to if you were going to have friends over the week of Thanksgiving yep. in the future. Yep. Would this be? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it has like that place in my heart, um, which is saying a lot because there's a lot of these movies that we watch that I will never, ever, ever watch again. Oh, that is true. So that's why I'm like, I don't know, maybe one and a half is a little too low, but uh, yeah, yeah, could have been worse. Been I just have, I have lower expectations. Oh, they were standards. I have I have lower standards than you guys. That's. <laughs> I, I think like I think UHF is like a a cinematic genius film. So maybe you don't. I love that movie. I, I think who doesn't I enjoy a good red snapper? I, I completely agree with you. <laughs> very, very tasty. Um, it, it, it if I'm gonna go between who's the better wielder of the mop, uh, it's 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 a tough choice between him and uh, the Toxic Avenger. But I'm I might lean <laughs> towards the- you get to you get to drink from the fire hose today. Yep. Ah, oh, boy, Corey, you want to read the outro? Yeah, you can contact us. We we said this at the beginning. You can yeah. you can leave us a voicemail at eight zero five three two eight thirty nine sixty six. And by beginning, I mean halfway through the show. Uh, you can email us at pot at gncast dot com or leave us a message on the website. Like like I said, we'd love to hear from you guys. What are your expectations of a horror movie when you watch it? When when you're talking about something certainly from the eighties. Do you just do you come in for the the slasher gore or do you do you feel like maybe you've been spoiled a little bit by current films and you'd like to see them be elevated or or if not what is what is your current go-to slasher gore fest that is uh equivalent just let us know uh you can follow the show on twitter facebook instagram we're at podcast of terror and you can subscribe to us via itunes stitcher google play or your favorite podcatcher and leave us feedback on any of those. The subscription links can be found at gncast.com slash subscribe. And you can join the Facebook page, uh, Podcast of Terror. Or if you're interested in the network, the entire network is under Galactic Network. That's very simple. Yes. It's also shopping season. <laughs> tomorrow. Okay, if you're watching the video, this is tomorrow. If you're listening to it on iTunes, this was yesterday. But it's Cyber Monday. Go to uh, amazon.podcastofterror.com. Shop like you normally would. We get a cut that helps keep this thing free for you. And it stops me from complaining. So No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. But if <laughs> give them a false sense of security, a little false sense of hope, and maybe that'll get us more money. Uh, yep. PJ, thanks again. It was uh, absolutely hey, Thank awesome you so much for here. having me. It was fun. Where can uh, people find you if you want them to find you and everything you're doing? Um, the if Facebook. I'm on Facebook. That's the easiest way to get in contact with me if you... If, for whatever reason you might need to. Um, yeah, PJ's uh, family. Like, maybe you'll contact him on Facebook, <laughs> you dicks. Yeah, let me know. Let, let me know how much you loved Blood Rage as much as I did. Um, we have Volumes of Blood, which is on Instagram. We're on, uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook also. So you can uh, check out 
1031 is on Facebook. Um, easiest way, like I said, probably is to Google me and it'll bring up all the different sites and information for the different projects that I'm working on. And that's probably Hail the Satan. easiest yeah, way. Otherwise, Satan. I'll be sitting here literally all night telling you the different venues to uh, find out about the projects I'm on. So, but yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Not a problem. Corey, where can people find you? Uh, you can support the comics that I help publish by going to donutscomics.com or again, uh, if you maybe don't want to buy from Amazon and you just want to buy some really freaky artwork prints uh, or commissions, you can go to my wife's store, uh, store.arthag.com and uh, look at some stuff that is probably going to make you feel a little queasy. A lot of dicks. Lots of <laughs> a lot of dicks and now vaginas. She's moving on up and inward. What was that again? <laughs> store.arthag.com uh it's my wife's artwork she's doing a uh alice in wonderland piece with a giant penis right now oh boy awesome yeah. emphasis on peace <laughs> uh you can find me on twitter and instagram and on tap math lifeguard uh next week is erica from apex Nebus. we had to reschedule her because that's what we do now we reschedule people uh we're talking about the movie monster squad and I don't know, she's probably going to make fun of me a whole bunch because she's kind of mean. Because she's right. Fuck you, Corey. I'll come back to California and just slap you. That Because you're right. That's going to do it for another episode of the Podcast Terror. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Stay scared, everybody. Bye.